Buongiorno, and welcome to the Global Podcast, where we keep you up to date on the latest trends and insights on diplomacy and international development. I'm your host, Jesu Antonio Baez, Director of Pax Tecum Global Consultancy, based here in London, which produces this series. In this podcast, I sit down with thought leaders, diplomats, and experts on the field, as well as provide analysis from our own team at Pax to talk more about the need for diplomacy in international development in order to foster political will around greater social impact and good. So grab your headphones and let's get on with the show. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Darcy Lunn, a humanitarian and founder of Teaspoons of Change, uh, and focuses on personal choices, decisions, and actions that have a positive impact on the both people and the planet. And just a little bit about Darcy Lunn. Uh, Darcy actually dreams about a daily life where people can dedicate themselves to a world of access and opportunity for everyone and everywhere. And he's been really living that mission for about 18 years and has experienced more than 90 countries, given over 850 presentations to 80,000 plus people around the world. I mean, it, it goes without saying that he is an incredible human being, an incredible inspiration to many. And I'm really excited to have him come on board to talk a bit about exactly how to get governments on board for change, especially in regards to fulfilling um, the Sustainable Development Goals, or the SDGs, based on his experience. So, Darcy, welcome to the Global Podcast. Super. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. And I think it's really important, actually, before we dive into the nitty-gritty, as one says, if you could just tell me a bit more about what led you to create Teespoons for Change, and actually, what led you to pick the name as well? Because I really do feel it's important for others to to get a grasp of. Yeah, absolutely. I I started uh, many years ago just traveling aimlessly around the world, but learning a lot from the world. And something that helped me do all of that was, was humility and humanity. Uh, going in as a learner and listening from other people, and then huma- uh, the humility, humi- sorry, <laughs> humanity side of things, um, where we just connect with people and and share life together, and and then I got into advocacy and campaigning and these sorts of things, particularly around global citizenship and and ensuring that there's access and opportunity for everyone, no matter where we're born. Um, and, and for a long time, I worked with organizations that were really good at sharing with people, this is how we can help others. But I got to a point where I sort of thought, well, what does it mean to us? And, and if we've got these huge goals like the global goals to try and end extreme poverty, reduce inequality and protect the planet, where, can, where, where do we start as one individual? And I thought, well, let's break it down. Let's make it simple. Let's make it personal. And let's make it very practical. And so that's where Teaspoons of Change uh, comes in for those personal and practical ideas, attitudes, and actions that have a positive impact on, on people and the planet. And what has, been the, what has been the impact you've been seeing so far in introducing Teaspoons for Change to the general broader audience that you've noticed and seeing that there has been a real success in getting people on board to understand the importance of the SDGs and the importance of fulfilling this? Well, the, the niche that I try and fill is 
is to have an audience that would otherwise never hear about the global goals. Mm. So, And that's why I call them the global goals rather than the SDGs, which people get scared with acronyms and it sounds a little bit close to STDs. Um, <laughs> so so that's, that's why I try and make it um, very digestible for, for anyone in society so that we can start to connect with these global goals and we can feel like that we can can bring them into our own lives and take action. So that was really important for me was to make it accessible to everyone, make it fun, make it interesting, but most of all, make it about us and not just if you work for the UN or you work in development work, but every single person, no matter who we are and what we do. And that's an important concept, actually, because talking about changing even the acronyms as such, because as you know, whether it's the UN system or governments, everybody gets acronym happy, crazy. Um, and it just doesn't translate as well to the general audience. And really just putting in it as 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 simple as possible really can help the trans- translation accordingly. And, and on to that, you know, trying to translate accordingly and showing that these are global goals, that these are global initiatives to get you on board. What have been the challenges you've seen with the general audience um, in, in getting them to understand that these this really pertains to them, uh, uh, apart from just international institutions and very high-ordered liberalist political thinking? Yeah, and, and that is that is always the biggest challenge, is apathy. Because often it's, you know, we feel like we're just one person and there's not much that we can do. But unfortunately, it, it, that's, that's everything that we can do, is <laughs> what we can do ourselves. And collectively, that's where we have our impact. So, so the challenge for me is to make sure that people understand that small actions multiplied by lots of people or lots of times can and will create big change. And so it's about breaking down how do we end extreme poverty and bring it into the lives of people so that they can feel like that they don't necessarily feel like they're going to end extreme poverty in sub-Saharan Africa, but they are going to do something in their own lives and in their own community that connects to all of us who we feed into this this global framework of the global goals. They're not perfect and, you know, they, they don't do anything by themselves, but they're I think they're very useful to contextualize what we can do at a personal and practical level and how that fits in globally. So So that's the challenge of trying to get that into as many people as possible. Both the challenge and even just, as you said, just letting them realize that it's the small things that can produce the greater change, particularly if it's particularly if it's done collectively. And this brings me to then really bring this back into the main topic of this discussion, which is around getting governments on board for change. And 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 as as you know, and as our audience members are aware of as well, there the SDGs were created to be able to be fulfilled by 2030. And whereas the Millennium Development Goals were more focused on uh, developing nations and emerging economies, this one is really out on the table for everyone. So whether you are the United States or you're in Zimbabwe, everybody has to fulfill these goals from maternal health to um to education and this is where i would like to understand is where as from your experience in reaching to a huge audience um to a plethora of countries around this subject where do you feel we need to go with introducing this subject now to a government level because one of the key challenges many governments are having is really understanding 
how to how to tackle the SDGs, and that's becoming rather daunting for them. So I would love to hear from you where you think um, they can begin to get themselves on board with this. Yeah, and and I think you summarised that in the question that the governments were fairly, or at least the departments of foreign. Uh, trade and and aid and development agencies were very familiar with the MDGs and the transition from the Millennium Development Goals into the Sustainable Development Goals has been very difficult. So in the case of Australia, as you can tell from my accent, <laughs> is that um, that they still feel that it's this is a, a, a um, foreign affairs issue. Uh, this is a Australian aid or Australian development issue. So they haven't really taken ownership of those global goals at a domestic level at the moment. Um, there are good examples like New Zealand, which has. Canada, I think, is doing a good job, even at local government level. So for me, it's about bringing these global goals into the areas where they're, they're probably not used to, to having to understand these global frameworks. So local governments, state governments, in the case of Australia, provincial governments, and, and also federally. So how we do that is the, is the challenge, but making sure that we're not just going back to the usual suspects of our Department of Foreign Affairs and our aid and development agencies because they're, everyone's used to handballing at them, and so it takes extra conversations with more people to bring it into the Ministry of Education, to bring it into the Ministry of Health. And I think that we are starting to get enough resonance with enough um, people and countries and celebrities and everyone kind of starting to adopt these global goals that it is starting to resonate up um, is my feeling. And and you've pointed to something that's actually quite crucial is the fact that many really do see this within government as uh, strictly a foreign policy um, type of a deal or not even as in as for example in the UK there's DFID or the United States US aid is simply a developmental um, a concern and nothing to really integrate across the ministries when in, when in actual fact it can be and and so really pulling it back into into there um, have you seen any cases for example of of where you see governments within the western sphere really starting to, to acknowledge and say well hold up a second uh, this really is something we need to address and and how can we um how can we really make this happen accordingly and really when it comes to 2030 really hit there with a bang yeah, I, I think that the idea of voluntary reporting has has been very useful. So there's a select number of countries each year that do the voluntary reporting for the for the SDGs. And uh, who was it? it? Was yeah, New Zealand did its last year, and they produced some some pretty good reports on trying to get a report card on where is the country at and, and where are the businesses at as well. So not just government, but also business. Um, but I think where, again, I, I'm kind of going back to the point I made before, is that it's the vocabulary or the lexicon is missing in most government agencies in my experience. And so I think we've, we're, we're off to a pretty slow start with these SDGs. Um, they are starting to, like I was just saying, they are starting to get into the vocabulary of more people and they're seeing them. And, and so I think we have to push pretty hard as not just a development sector but also an education sector and a health sector to see what these goals are about, to bring them into our conversations and, and into our local governments and so federal governments to make sure that they are being heard from different places 
then I think we can reach saturation. Um, and I think so. You're looking. So I think you're looking for a good example. And one example that comes to mind was some forums that I uh, heard around local government. So Hawaii taking it on as a state government. Uh, some really great stuff coming out of British Columbia in in Canada. Also local governments in Canada. Uh, I made reference to New Zealand. So so they're they're creeping in to non-traditional places for something like a global framework, which is fantastic to see. Baltimore is another city that's really taking these on. Uh, and certainly my conversations with local mayors and local governments here in uh, Australia and, and in the travels that I do. And that's excellent. And as you see that it's really starting to at least go from the smaller portions, let's say whether it's the mayor of Bolton or a mayor of a city, and hopefully that will bring in traction for the greater good that it can happen. I know from our end at PAX, you know, our engagement with governments to really be on board with businesses or uh, programs that are going to produce a greater impact and proper sustainable uh, change and address um, uh, really this uh, the delivering of the sustainable development goals accordingly has been really key to um, really matching it with their own political agenda and understanding what the priorities they have locally are. And that being said, how can one also introduce the SDGs as a priority for local governments? Because while many are getting on board with the SDGs as something they need to report on, many are understanding that this is an international mandate, but how can it be injected into the the priority and if it's in the of the of the local government and if it's not already in the priority of the local government how can one who's looking to introduce sustainable development and um, positive impact locally really try to align themselves and and sell basically the sdgs or sustainable development as something that has political value yeah, that, that's a fabulous question, and that is the space that Teaspoons of Change is trying to fill. So where we're trying to, you know, activate and align and engage um, government, business, and education with these global goals. So, so the way that we try to do that is is sort of a softly, softly approach, is by saying, well, um, these goals are going to enhance and add value to what you're already doing. So, and, and I work a lot with teachers in schools, and it's a, a school is a very busy place, and particularly for teachers. Um, and, and so I, I can't say, hey, look, this is something extra that you have to put on top of everything else that you're doing, and same with government. So I go in and, and, and chat with people and have conversations around keep doing what you're doing, and then I help them connect the dots with the global goals in general as the, kind of the 101, and then see if we can get down to aligning targets and indicators to show that, well, most of these places, most governments have a strategic plan. Most governments will have targets and indicators and things they're working towards. And so it's sort of showing, well, hey, look, there's, there's also this will fit into a global picture. So when you are reporting on your, your local policies and your strategic plan, you can add a beautiful global lens to all of this with nice bright pictures, which is really important and um, and enhances all of that, and to show them that these things aren't just a UN. It's not just for good people doing good things. This is something that we can all do, and I, and I get really good 
um, feedback on that from people because I, I come in and make it very accessible and not so scary to say, well, you're doing lots of great things. Let's add this global lens to things that you're doing and celebrate that with the people that, uh, that you're servicing um, through your government. That was such an excellent example, too, in regards to showing them that what they're basically already doing can be reportable towards SDGs. And then I'm sure you've seen it. Then they get so excited. I said, oh, this is it. This is this is one of the ways. And they become so hungry to do more. And of course, as you said, the pretty pictures, a big deal as well to show the reports. Look at what we're doing. And here's the infographics. And they get so motivated to do that. Now, take. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. No, no, that's yeah, absolutely. The, the the look in their eyes when they see that they can add a global lens to things, it really is a feel good moment. It's a feel good moment, and it's one of absolute. Um, they feel completely empowered, and and I guess going on this high note, I guess I'm going to take this to a bit of a a dark spin. You know, looking at the way the 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 state of the world is at present you know we are seeing a a rapid paradigm shift with the rise of populism um and the notation of uh, us first um everyone else last which in a way flies in the face of the concept of the global where the global citizen the notion of one is now under threat to simply being i'm simply a citizen of a respective country of course with the um uh, continuing uh, popularity that uh, President Donald Trump is getting within the United States with the America First agenda and the recent election of Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil, which rode on, again, a populist wave of us against the them uh, notion. How has this been? Of course, this is clearly a challenge on on trying to, to really push the SDG and the global agenda forward uh, with this uh, notion of we are inclusive in this planet but how can countries still stay on board with the global agenda or how can one persuade and work with countries who have gone on to the populist tidal wave to stay on the global agenda and understand that it is important to them and uh, and deviation from that uh, isn't uh, a threat to their own national sovereignty, quote-unquote, as, as many uh, politicians in certain countries have been indicating. Yeah, and, and that that's a great reality check because it's all well and good to speak to government people who are on board and, and they get that, that glint in their eyes. But, um, but the reality is also, you're exactly right, is that they're like, well, this is UN wish-wash, whatever, da-da-da, um, this has no relevance to me in my, my state, my country, or wherever I am. And so so the conversations I have there is to to usually put it in, when, when those conversations come up, I often try and work on the economic argument. That's often where people are the most concerned. And so I dip into the ideas of, well, what does, a sustain, what does sustainable economic growth look like? Uh, and... And, and, you know, it's pretty scary. I think economic growth, and I'm worried about it being in the global goals because personally I think it increases inequality and creates more environmental degradation and problems. But it is there. It's in those global goals. And so I try and talk to the ideas of sustainable growth and how do we not just produce more profit but how do we work in the ideas of um, sustainability so that we can have 
we can work towards new ideas, new structures that are going to enhance what we're doing and, and will leave a legacy, I suppose, of being able to leapfrog ahead, not always using technology, but using new ideas or getting creating new services and these sorts of ideas. So the, the conversation there has to be very delicate because I can't come in and, and present myself as, you know, being a UN flag-waving person for these global goals, I have to really go in with a sense of this is good for you because of this, 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 and this. And if it's good for you, then it's good for others, and then that will be even better for you <laughs> in that kind of argument without saying it in that in that sort of way. So does, does that does that give you a couple of ideas, or is there any questions around that I kind of strategy? You, you brought that actually excellent because that is, that is key you have to really put that in what what's going to raise the flags in their brain. And as you've said, and from our own experience, it really is, um, it is talking about the economy. And we and I feel the same way when I found myself in situations where I've had to have discussions, whether it's from maternal health or, or, or any other relevant um, topic with government officials. And somehow bringing in the topic of economy really raises in the flag and suddenly they're more receptive to saying okay right yes and but like you said what is crucial is though one must raise this the the topic of economy one must also try to find the equilibrium to say right how can we make sure this is sustainable and that it and it reaches across all um class structures accordingly and maybe i'll bring this back into it as well because obviously one of the primary themes of the sdgs as well is equality and in that sense, how would you be able to present if, of course, speaking about adopting the global goals, adopting uh, a more sustainable approach towards growth, how does one approach the government, mention it from an economic aspect, but also allow them to understand the importance of basically spreading the wealth accordingly because that is the key towards proper sustainable development and economic empowerment for the country. Yeah, and and I think a lot of those conversations go towards not necessarily supporting uh, the Global South or developing countries directly, but knowing that if we as a global society can become more prosperous, it will come back to us in you know, in leaps and bounds in that regard. And it's not something that I, I'm totally convinced about, but it, it does provide an interesting conversation to say, well, when we are in alignment with these global goals and other countries are, and, and there's some good examples of the um, uh, the, the countries of, of India and Brazil and these sorts of places and China who are striving towards economic growth and are going to be you know, big components of, of a future economy. So we, we need to speak a common language. And I think, again, the universality of the global goals, and whilst they might not feel that the universality of it is useful on a, on a humanitarian level, it can be useful in a tra future trade level or knowing that where we're at and knowing where someone else is at and trying to bridge those those gaps. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't think I have anything that's particularly clear cut exactly around that question, but often they're conversations that I have to be very prepared for and ready to respond to in some kind of positive way with good examples. And, and so in my backpack of advocacy tools with government, 
It's making sure that I've got lots of examples of of businesses in particular who are adopting these goals and and see it as something important for their economic future, not just to be good in the world. Um, and things like that are really important and showing some of those examples from other countries on how they might be leading on the SDGs and how they're relating to it and how they can connect with other other companies or, or countries around the world based on those goals. No, and you're right. Preparedness is, is crucial. And now more than ever, that preparedness really is, is something that one must take in consideration when not just approaching governments overall, but now approaching these governments, particularly with that populist agenda. Um, but now coming more towards the conclusion and ending in a more hopeful, cheerier note, um, I guess I would love to ask you one final question as in, what has been, with this work that you've been doing for Teaspoons of Change towards really getting local populations and governments on board towards the global goals, what has been the most positive sign of change that you see, which you feel will um, foretell um, positive uh, change that can happen in the future? Yeah, I, I think one of the big things for me is around language. I think people really like knowing that their, their personal and their local and their practical actions can fit into a global context. And, and so I, I, a lot of the, the work that I do engaging with businesses and government, etc., is making people feel like they have an extra sense of purpose. Because one of the things we lack in the world is that, that we don't matter and we're just one person, we've got a job to do. And I think that if we can weave in and integrate these global goals and the idea of teaspoons of change, the small things we do do have a collective impact, I think that can be very empowering. And, and I hear that a lot from people who it's not just about you know switching off a light and feeling good about yourself. It's about knowing that we are connected to a bigger world. And I think that driving that sense of extra purpose into our lives both as a public representative in our governments or as a private citizen who then really might ramp up their teaspoon of change of, of becoming active citizens and community participants by lobbying government and getting involved in campaigns and supporting good people doing good things to, to drive change. I think everyone can see themselves getting on that spectrum to become more active and effective as global citizens locally impacting globally. Um, each and every day in the small choices, decisions and actions that we can take. Absolutely. And as Mother Teresa said, we won't achieve peace unless we realize we belong to each other. And that that last answer wraps that up absolutely beautifully. Well, Darcy, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you onto the global podcast as well too. And for those who are listening into the global podcast, I, I sincerely urge you to visit the website of teaspoonsofchange.org to see more about the fantastic work that Darcy is doing and also be part of the change that he is advocating for. Darcy, thank you so much for coming to the Global Podcast. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. That brings us to the end of this edition of the Global Podcast. I'm Jesu Antonio Baez, Director of Pax Tech and Global Consultancy, which produces this series. Please do check out our website at www paxtechumglobal.org, that's P-A-X-T-E-C-U-M-G-L-O-B-A-L.org to discover more about our work. You can also follow this podcast and the work of PAX on both Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you like this podcast, 
please don't forget to rate, review, and of course subscribe on both Spotify and Apple Podcast. Join us next week for another edition, and until next time, grazie e ci sentiamo presto. Ciao!